Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We're very happy to have you here listening to us today. And if you want to follow or interact with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at underscore the big picture alongside the many, many, many voters who voted for me, Stuart, as your people's champion. And to that huge crowd of people, I thank you for your honesty, your vision and your trust. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get on with the episode because, ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We made it to the month of May, a very, very special month for a huge fan base out there in the world. That's right, the Harry Potter fandom. May is Harry Potter month and any other fan base that tries to claim it's their month, well, they're just fucking idiots because everyone knows how it goes. May the golden stitch be with you. (laughs) So let's go and meet our magical panel. But before I get ahead of myself, sadly... We have some very bad news. Because of his shocking, vile and downright preposterous pitch last episode, Reese can't join us today. He's been sentenced to Azkaban for crimes against podcasts, so luckily you won't have to hear any more ludicrous pitches this week. But in all seriousness, Reese can't join us today. But unbeknownst to my panel here, I gave him a very important job to do before this episode. And I can reveal that he was our sorting hat. And so, without further magical ado, Reese's reasoning for this first sorting was uh, because you're a scumbag. And so being sorted into the evil, sneaky scumbag Slytherin house, it's Adam. Welcome, Adam. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Do you want to unmute my mic when you said it was for being a scumbag? Maybe I knew, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> uh, thanks for welcoming me, Stuart. Hello, how are you doing? You good? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Yeah, you know, uh, it's Reese. I, I completely agree with his uh, decision, but it was, uh, was Reese's call to make. <laughs> Fair enough. Next up, Reese has said that this next panellist would desperately believe he's a Gryffindor. However, he is instead 100% a Hufflepuff. So welcome in our goody two-shoes Hufflepuff, it's Jack. I was always going to say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that much of a prick to be a, a Slytherin. I'm not brave enough to be a, Raven, a, a Gryffindor. I'm not smart enough to be a fucking Ravenclaw, so I'm just fucking Hufflepuff, it's like the, I'm the, I'm the worst, you know, it's the, it's just as what it is, I probably messed up all that there, and maybe that just proves as to why I should be in Hufflepuff, but, but there you go. That's it, Hufflepuff, the assembly line worker of the wizarding world, I once read somewhere, but uh, yep, that's you Jack, helping out the janitors. <laughs> and lastly, introducing the actual Gryffindor amongst us, it's the courageous Lou Dog, Lewis, congratulations on making the house that always wins every year due to some very clear point manipulation. Yeah, I, I don't really... I, I fully anticipate being put in Slytherin there, if I'm honest. Um, but, you know, I am the noble one, I guess. That's it. Everyone rallies behind Lewis. You know, maybe it's us just pushing you in front of, like, everyone else. Yeah, in the that, danger, sounds but... more, that sounds more accurate. Oh, there's immediate danger. Lewis, stand front, please. That's it. You know, if anyone can pull a sword out of his ass, it's Lewis. <laughs> Stuart, we did that that one weekend. I don't I was... think you were going to tell anybody. <laughs> I didn't mean that as literal as it was. I genuinely can't remember where, where he pulled that sword from. You know, anyway. Yes, let's Magician crack on. reveals his secrets. That's it. True magicians. This is, this is it. This is magic and magicians and Harry Potter. I've already said that today our topic is the best Harry Potter film. Now, I'm not going to lie. I was actually was like, Stuart, we're going to do this right. I'm going to sit down and re-watch all of the Harry Potter films in the lead-up to this. And I'd like to say that I did, but guys, I genuinely could not be arsed. And I have not, I don't think I've fully watched a Harry Potter film since the last one came out in cinemas. I don't know when that is. But do you know what? I'm going to do my best here to get you all up to speed with the entire franchise in one go. So Jack, get ready. Here we go. Seconds on the clock. Harry Potter is a young Elijah Wood body double who lives in some cul-de-sac in England. I don't know where. I'm thinking Chester. But he lives with his evil aunt and uncle. They make him live in a closet, which would be very affordable if he lived anywhere other than Owen. But on his 11th birthday, it turns out he's a wizard. And he can go to some fancy private school up in Scotland where they won't teach him evolutionary theory or proper sex education. 
It also turns out he's rich, and his dead parents left him a sizable inheritance and another currency. He's not certain what the exchange rate is, but he immediately flaunts his wealth in front of the poor student he meets on the train, called Ron Weasley, who is in fact a ginger. The films and books are very specific on his hair colour, it's actually kind of offensive. He also meets a girl with a name that was impossible for my mum to say when she would read me the book. Over the course of the films, they are constantly trying to learn magic spells and survive in one of the worst schools I have ever seen in my life. Seriously, not only does this medieval castle they have to stay in all year look like it has no source of central heating, but it also seems to be actively trying to murder all of its inhabitants. Why do the parents think this is an acceptable place to send their children? If my kid rang me up and told me that this new school, that looks like it would cost me a bloody fortune by the way, had a big spider in the grounds and a tree literally called the Wampin' Willow that beats the ass of anyone that goes near it, I'd be getting him out of there. Have these teachers never heard of permission slips? I remember when I was at school, a pipe burst over a kid and he got to go home because his clothes get soaked. But in this school, you can literally get paralysed by a fucking snake and they just leave you in the infirmary for months to just get on with being paralysed. Anyway, Harry Potter and his pals have to deal with this guy Voldemort trying to come back from the dead and everyone seems really surprised that this guy keeps showing up even though seven out of the eight films deal with this guy coming back it's pretty much the only plot point i remember other than harry's scar gets itchy and there's a whole house in the school just for racists but nobody seems to be bothered about it the third film isn't about that though it's about werewolves because twilight was a big thing around this point and i reckon the teacher wasn't actually even a werewolf at all he just made that up to cover for hangovers anyway by the way harry potter Manages to defeat Magic Hitler, and it all ends happily ever after, nice wrapped up in a bow. A bit too wrapped up, though, for Warner Brothers, because they realise that now they've shat the bed on DC films, they need another big franchise people will care about. But luckily, this time, they won't mess it up, they promise. Also, fuck J.K. Rowling. So there you go. I think I covered everything important. So we'll crack on with the episode now. And my first question is, do you guys, do you guys like the Harry Potter films? What do you like about them? We'll go to Jack first. I, I, I like the Harry Potter movies. I, I like them a lot. I will say, though, I prefer the books to the movies, but that's by the by. Of course, a uh, special shout-out to Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, the PS1 game. Absolutely fantastic. You get some great, great dialogue in there, but we're not here to talk about the games and the books. We're here to talk about the movies. Thank, thank you, Adam. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. But we're, we're, we're not here to talk about the game, the fantastic game itself. Shout-out to Colin Moore and Blair Henderson. We've played that on many an occasion. We start from the beginning just to hear that uh, wonderful line from uh, Draco saying, go home to your mother, Potter. Oh, wait, you don't have one, do you? Because that cracks me up every single time. Classic. But the movies. The movies are fantastic. I could sit and just watch them as they go on. I know it was quite regularly on Sky Movies, they'll put the Harry Potter channel up and I, if I'll just stick it on, even if it's halfway through a movie, I'll just watch it, then I'll probably just watch the next one as well. I've just, I've got, there's something about Harry Potter, the the, the, the film series just, just drags me in. Maybe it's because of my, my love for the books to begin with. I'm just able to enjoy the film. Obviously there's, there's, there's different levels of quality compared to certain things or two, but I really do, I really do like them and I think it's it's probably some of the best interpretation of of magic in in movies and cinema as well. The, the, the way they're able to execute different things and make spells and the kind of world around it seem kind of not not believable, but like kind of just I was going to say realistic, but that's the kind of same thing. But it makes it makes the world around it seem like important. There's just, there's just that that something about it. I'm just like ah, oh, this makes sense. Good. So we've got a clear Potter fan or pothead, as I like to call them. You know, in the in the pro Harry Potter franchise, uh, you know, in their corner. Uh, Lewis, what do you like about the Harry Potter franchise? I mean, do you like it at all? No. Good. I don't go, Good I, I guess it's. Ah, I just couldn't really get into them. Um, at the time they're coming out, I would have been, you know. Seven to like, I don't know, fifteen. I think during that kind of range, and I just didn't. It just didn't cross my radar. I didn't really care for it. When I watched them, I was like, "Eh, they're all right." I just, I didn't really buy the hype. It's just Star Wars with smaller sticks. And we all know how much we love Star Wars in this podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, surprising because you were like, you're saying like you were seven to fifteen. I mean, I'd say that's probably the prime age group to get into Harry Potter especially with like the books and the films kind of being on the up and up but yeah I guess they're not for everybody I don't read (laughs) (laughs) 
my name's Jared, and never learned how to fucking read. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, the truth is, like, I actually owned the Chamber of Secrets book, and I read about five pages, and I went, nah, screw this, I'm going to watch Dragon Ball Z. That was my entire thought process from that. So where's the magic? It's just some guy in a closet. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that one. It's too easy. <laughs> Adam, what about you? Do you like the films at all? Where do you stand on the whole? We've got we've got one for, one against. We need you to split the vote here. Yeah, I'm very much for. I think it's something that um, I, I was um, I kind of was a fan of the films when I was younger, um, but maybe not as like as big of a fan um, as I am now. Funnily enough, uh, but I think. Part of that was that I hadn't read the books first that my mum would read them to when I was younger, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't really into my reading back then. And then as soon as I kind of hit my reading phase, I read all the Harry Potter books. And then I think the the sixth film just came out, so I was like, at that point, I was like, wow, like I'm so I'm so fucking hyped for this for this seventh and eighth film. I didn't know it was going to be that at the time, um, but I was uh, very excited for it. I think overall, I agree with Jack. It's uh, I'll, I probably do prefer the books. It's like there's a level of detail in that which you can't really get in a film. I don't think that's the fault. I actually do think David Yates deserves a lot of credit. Um, that's his name, isn't it? The director. I hope it is. Yeah, um, yeah. It is. <laughs> he deserves a lot of credit because, as Stephen King fans, Stuart, you and I know that a, a really good adaptation. It's it's difficult to come by, but obviously every adaptation is going to be have a bit of how the writer, uh, how the director or writer interprets it onto the screen. Um, but at the same time, it's so hard to keep everyone happy, and I don't know if there's an adaptation that keeps everyone happy, including the author, the same way Harry Potter does. That's a very good, that's an interesting point, and we'll stick with you, Adam, because obviously the elephant in the room is that these films are based on not just a book series but like a, a world globally loved book series. And I'm not going to ask a question like which is better because I feel like that's been done to death. But what I will ask you, Adam, is what do you do? What do the films do for you that are better than the books? I would say quite, quite an ob- or maybe an obvious one, but some of the dialogue lands a lot better um, on screen than it does on the page. I think that's down to, you know, maybe it's criticism of J.K. Rowling as an author, but I don't think, sometimes the conversations, you know, they do seem a bit lifeless in the book. Um, not all of them, so I wouldn't even say it's the majority or anything like that. I'd say there is maybe conversations where they're meant to be humorous, but they don't They don't have the kind, they don't jump off the page the way you can get with certain authors. But then I think that, again, you know, it's a credit to the filmmakers that they, and also the, the young actors in these films, I think they, you know, I think they deserve a lot of credit for the kind of life they put into each role and it's very believable um, that they're really playing these characters so I think I would say that's probably the main one for me the dialogue I, d- I definitely like I would say I, I probably laugh a lot more watching the films like I, I could probably think of all the times I was reading the book and I kind of chuckled to myself but you know in the films you're, you're always you're, you're never far away from a scene where you're like smiling or laughing to yourself Good, good. Um, Lewis, do you agree? Um, or is there something else you'd prefer? Obviously, you don't know much about the books if you, you claim you haven't read them. But in terms of these movie, their adaptations of a book, do you think they at least do a good job adapting the source material onto the screen? Obviously, like, I don't have the, the intri- intrinsic knowledge in order to you know give a well-rounded answer for this. But one thing I was actually thinking about earlier was that Harry Potter seems to be at least off the top of my head. I could be wrong. Could be plenty of movies in the eighties and nineties. There was like the first sort of real attempt at taking a long series and putting it on screen, which is, in my opinion, a very very difficult thing because then the day it's an interpretation of interpretation to then be put onto the screen is quite a difficult thing to do. And obviously, like there's the memes about like you know, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire, but. I think by and large, the population of fans seem to be fairly content, if not happy, with what was presented with. And, you know, retroactively, we're looking at J.K. Rowling now, you know, the slightly less of a fond light, shall we say. So perhaps there could be a little bit of, like, disgruntledness there. But I think in terms of the, at the time when there were things coming out, I don't remember too much being said about, like, oh, this is just not what it was said. It's not this, that, the next thing. So I think, you know, by and large, good job was done. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna touch the J.K. Rowling stuff. Um, you know, we we won't. Uh, Jack, is there something oh. that 
is there something else? Hello. Uh, <laughs> is there something that uh, you really, really like adapted from the books to the movies? I think what 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 I enjoy the most is that when when I read the books, like it's obviously you have this picture in your head of what what the Harry Potter world, quote unquote, should look like, and especially see, seeing that kind of scene. When in Philosopher's Stone, they've just came off the Hogwarts Express and they're in the kind of rowboats towards Hogwarts and it does that pan shot up and it's your first time seeing Hogwarts. I was completely like kind of blown away by that. I just, I like, that's like, that's what, what they were able to show was better than anything that I could have imagined in, in my head. It just, everything just seemed so, so right with it. It just instantly had that kind of magical presence and aura about it and you're like, I was like, oh, this is this is pretty, this is pretty cool. You know what I mean? Yeah, cool is maybe not the right word to use. But this is pretty, pretty something. I was, I was, I think the way that the movies have been able to portray the world of Harry Potter and the the magicalness about it, I think that's probably the best thing the movies have been able to do. Yeah, I definitely agree. What they what they do show in the world, they, they definitely go the extra mile. And I don't know about yourself, Jack, but for me, I've not read the books since seeing the films. And I think if I went back and read the books again, I think I'd be hard-pressed to kind of rely on my imagination, not in like a lazy way, but in a way that the films have nailed so much of the, the look of the world and the look of certain characters that, for all intents and purposes, that is how they should look. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just it's something it's something about it, and obviously, like when when the like the the movies came out, you see kind of the artwork of the the books as well, just kind of drawn towards what we kind of see in the movies. But even even at that, like the movies kind of far far clips what you think. I don't, there's, a, there's a scene that I was going to speak about, but I don't. It's, it's part of the the movie I've picked for later on, so I won't I won't go into that yet. But there's like certain scenes like throughout it that's just like amazing so like for example see seeing the order of phoenix i will say that's order of phoenix is like my my favorite book and obviously the 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 big thing that happens in order of phoenix is voldemort and dumbledore fighting in the ministry of magic that the way that fight turned out i i would never have pictured that in my head so the, the way that they were able to capture just all that kind of stuff it just it, the way the way the books made it out and into hot saw there was a lot of it just far exceeded my expectations yeah, if I could just jump in as well. Um, I think that, that's like really good point about... Um, I was just thinking, actually, when we were talking about the books, is that, that you always do... They've taken over the way we'd imagine scenes in our head. And you're right, I think when I read the books now, I've always got like the actors we've seen and Hogwarts we've seen in my head. And I do think it's interesting as well, because it's kind of a generational thing, because um, definitely people who are maybe a few years younger than us who um, you know, would have probably watched the films first before they read the books... Um, they they they'll have the same thing, but obviously that's. Uh, but it's interesting, I think, that you find a lot of the younger people who say that they obviously they prefer the films, like they they read the books and it doesn't grab them as much. But you know, maybe that's just how the people like to enjoy the media. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who have uh, watched the films now and think, oh well, you know, but the books are better once they read them. Um, but I just think it's kind of interesting conversation. Definitely, I think, I think that I don't know if it's if it's a testament to the books perhaps laying a really solid bedrock for the for the films or it's the films that go the extra mile to say right we know that these books are beloved in the so many fans even in the early days so many fans were on board with them that we need to step it up on on all accounts um especially with how many actors are in this franchise you've got so many british actors that are hard pedigree well-trained classical actors and then you've got a heavy reliance on child actors. Now, sometimes child actors can kind of, you know, they can, I can take or leave them. Sometimes they can be great. Sometimes they can be awful. There's very, it's very difficult to find that good balance. Lewis, in terms of, in terms of you again, not really big on the books and only going off the films. How did you find the acting overall? You know, one thing that I genuinely appreciate in films is those classically trained and even stage actors when they get their chance on a camera. It's obviously very difficult and it's a very different experience, but I feel like those people that are more classically trained can take an element, something like, you know, the world of Harry Potter, which is 
based in fantasy and mysticism and this will kind of get on to my pitch later on as well and really sort of like ground it in almost reality and make you feel like this there's this whole other world that exists in your world you don't even know that it's there and some of the elements in the portrayals i think really emphasize that and uh, some of the directors really focused on that so like you know books aside just focusing on the the roles performed like i don't think there's any real bad thing you can say about it because i do feel like it was really grounded it felt almost real to a degree obviously you're still looking at a film but you know i do like that classically trained portrayal of this kind of realms and kind of grounding it down and making you feel a bit more truth to it jack same question to you the acting overall as again we, we keep going back to this from page to screen you know do the actors do they give enough do you think that it's more of a learning curve for those child actors, or do you think they knock it straight out of the park the first go? Um, I think there's there's certainly at the start, obviously Phosphorus Stone is kind of the, the first gig into this acting world, and you've, you you see this kind of bit the greenness about it, especially like that kind of see that Philosopher's Stone scene. Oh, spoilers for those that haven't seen Harry Potter, but obviously the 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 essence and kind of thing of Voldemort's in the back of Quirrell's head and he gets that away blah 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 Ron Ron got knocked out at the human chess game and then after all that's over and he, he comes out and he's like says like how how, how, are, how are you feeling Ron and Ron's like oh good and he goes Hermione and Hermione goes never better and there's something about that's just so funny because it's just it's just said so bad but obviously it's just because they're young like you, you can't take that in but you, you do you do see the improvement from that point up until that last film because they are just fully fledged actors and they're really good at doing what they're able to do like just look at what Emma Watson's able to do now same with Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint like they're in many different like TV and movie things even like kind of I think Broadway stuff as well so like they've definitely been able to hone in from what they've learned from the start and just like progress like exponentially yeah, there is that kind of, like you said, they're child actors, it's their first go out of the gate. I'm sure I'm sure if we pulled up a video of, you know, Jack performing Macbeth, you know, school drama class, I think perhaps, you know, he might have a couple of things to say about that, you know. <laughs> I love you, Jack, but you're no Ian McKellen. But uh, Adam, we'll go again to you, the same question, but also with this kind of looking back on it, you know, there's certainly, these films were made of an era. You know, and uh, you know, it was a while ago. You know, in, in media terms, have these films aged well? Uh, from from two onwards, yes. Uh, the decision to use this the CGI available to them in the first one, I think, was misguided. Uh, there's one scene in particular when they're learning to fly the brooms. Um, I, th- I think it's Neville they like they try and CGI onto the broom and. I, I don't know. It's just all animated, and it's so clearly like a terrible <laughs> bit of CGI. And you know what? That's the technology they had. I think maybe could have done a um, the the fact that I think they did things they did right in the second one, especially, is the fact that they lent on more on practical effects. I think they realised that you know the CGI wasn't going to do a lot of these things justice. They could have they they were better using practical effects. Um, to kind of briefly go back to the acting, I think what really stands out for me is that. Generally, in a film in a film like this, so many actors, so many supporting actors, it's very easy for them to be forgettable, put in forgettable performances. Um, you don't really know their names, a character, because you, you've not really, you know, there's nothing there for, for you to really like cling on to. But I think it was a, a real credit to all the all the actors in this film is that there's so many, again, especially child actors who are minor characters, so you only hear from four or five times a film maximum, and yet you remember them all, you know their names. Because they put in really memorable performances. I think it's very difficult to stand out as a supporting character. Um, it, maybe it's easy. You can, it's easy to stand out if it's a bad performance. But I think it's very difficult to stand out. And I think it shows that it's uh, a really exceptional performance from all of the background cast as well. One thing I'd kind of like to add to that and also tie into my answer as well. He's one of my favourite actors. And, you know, rest in peace, Alan Rickman. I think... During my research for this, there was a couple of examples of how he was helping mentor some of these younger actors. And I think having a presence like him on set throughout the years that these are being filmed, it, I think he really, I love this guy, but he really adds such a 
presence and educational value to some of these people, which I think you can really see that growth throughout the films. Obviously, one and two kids are young, they're learning, but then after that, it's like they hit the ground running and they, you just see the improvement throughout the films. I just want to kind of add that caveat in there. Yeah, definitely. I've I've never heard bad things about the behind the scenes of Harry Potter. I know you'll hear all too often, I'm afraid, child actors getting exploited in that. And I don't mean just like in a general sense, but I mean like, you know, they have terrible experiences and never want to go back to acting just because of what's put on them. But I've heard time and time again that so many of these high caliber actors like Alan Rickman, like Michael Gamble and everything, were there to help mentor these uh, kids through arguably the big one of the biggest film franchises ever seen especially at that time um so it, it's good to hear that they've kind of nurtured that and i think that's another reason of why the harry potter franchise is held in such high esteem um we'll leave that just now because we've talked a little bit about this other topic on previous episodes i want to stick with you lewis because as we said this is such a huge franchise do you ever see the Harry Potter films being rebooted at all? I'm going to say no, purely for the reason I'll kind of relate to Star Wars. I know like there's the joke that it's compl- uh, kind of related the same, but I think if Harry Potter as a world will continue, and we're kind of seeing that with Fantastic Beasts, although we do pretend that they don't exist, but I can see in a somewhat... I don't know, like 20 year time, kind of the similar to the way for Star Wars, where the the IP kind of takes over and a new story is told, whether it's in a different timeline or whatever, it might take on a different name. But I don't feel like there'll ever really be a need or really a desire to completely reboot the series unless, you know, something drastic happens and that and needs to. And, it just has to happen whether it's like J.K. Rowling just goes off the rails like you know what fuck this we're canceling we're just going to completely redo the thing blah, blah blah aside from that I don't really think there's any particular need and I can just see it continuing randomly in about 10-20 years with a kind of new story and uh, a new approach yeah uh, much like how the Ministry of Magic ignores the presence of Voldemort we will ignore the presence of the Fantastic Beast movies Jack do you see them rebooting the franchise or, like Lewis said, just kind of adding sequels and spin-offs to it? I, I really hope they, they never reboot reboot this. I think they would definitely kind of lose a lot of what the films have for like kind of its originality sake. If they were ever going to do it, I hope it's at a point or it's like 30 years down the line or something I don't know, something where maybe they might be able to get some sort of extra value from rebooting it but I don't think there can be any extra value rebooting it just now I think I probably can agree with, with Lewis that I can, I can see them just doing like kind of like, uh, side films in the kind of same universe type thing and that's probably the direction we've obviously seen that way I've actually never seen Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, funnily enough but uh, that's, I've kind of see just more of that kind of stuff taking place i guess the only the only thing that might ever come is like a kind of a new thing is the the cursed child which is like a a west end like kind of play thing but i i, I don't know if that ever made into a film because it wasn't wasn't really the best the cursed child i think it was just i think it was just something to to throw into well jack much like how you shouldn't stare at the basilisk or go looking for that you should not look for the Fantastic Beasts movies because they're absolute <laughs> trash. I, I cannot um, even just looking at them, just like, see, when I saw the trailer, I was like, I do not want to watch this in case it ruins the Harry Potter series for me. And I think I've always just had that in my head and that's that's why I can't watch it. Yeah, they don't know if about ruin it, but they give it a fair old whack. Um, Adam, we'll go, we'll go to you and I'll get you to play maybe a little bit of Devil's Advocate here. If they were to reboot or add more spin-offs, etc. Is there anything that you'd like to see handled differently with the franchise going forward? Yeah, I'd like to see it rebooted under the condition that Michael Bay comes in as director. Um, I think I'd like to see, you know, definitely like a couple of scenes in my head that would be much better explosions, you know, maybe a Prisoner of Azkaban where he uh, stuns, stuns Snake and he flies into the bed. The bed collapses and then the house fucking explodes. Give me that, you know? 
I, I would fucking, and then the rock yeah, appears and walks that. away. <laughs> I want the I want to see the see the, the Battle of Hogwarts and Death of Hell yeah. part two. All the all the Death Eaters flying and she's got Star Scream <laughs> coming in. <laughs> we all know Michael Bay, he's allowed to use the Transformers property whatever exactly, he pleases. Yeah. He's got the freedom of Transformers. Um <laughs> uh, on a serious note. Um <laughs> in terms of like see it handled differently, I don't know, I think it would be very difficult. Um, like you say, to to reboot it and then handle it differently. I think because a lot of the characters um, are like so well loved. You know, it's like we said, Alan Rickman, what an actor. Also, you know, you can't find an Alan Rickman. I just don't think there's anyone who could give Do Snake the same kind of justice. It tells you um, explored uh, further. I'm sure we could maybe see something that's maybe about a young James Potter, because um, as much as we know, you know, his kind of history. You know, there's, there's definitely years of times we don't really know anything about. Uh, seeing a bit of young James and Lily Potter, then they, you know, they can cast someone as a young Snape, uh, young Sirius, etc. Uh, I think that's something they could explore. There is uh, other properties and other stories that are kind of, I'll say, Fantastic Beasts is doing its best to touch upon all of them. Um, <laughs> but maybe we'll see something akin to the Tales of Beedle the Bard, uh, kind of maybe Wizarding Fables. Uh, I think that's something that we could maybe play well as a series. Um, that I'd like, but I I would watch that. I think because uh, we obviously know about the the Deathly Hallows, but maybe seeing other tales because that because uh, the Tales of Beedle the Bard does exist as a book, so that could be a good thing to see on screen in a TV series format. Well, Warner Brothers, if you're listening, much like how you shouldn't listen to a Mandrake, you should definitely not listen to Adam and get Michael Bay involved in any form to this franchise. Please, for the love of God, for all that is right in the world. Don't let him. Joe Ashley no. Joe Ashley, Warner Brothers, let him at it. All right. What more is what worse is going to happen after uh, Fantastic Beasts? Because I don't think much. We'll go to Reese next. Reese, what do you think? Oh, look! It looks like he's neglected his earmuffs. No, ma'am, he just fainted. I have pages of these references. All right. I, <laughs> I, I was going to say, how did you how did you <laughs> got all these for every single kind of call off when we found a sentence that fits perfectly? There you go, Jack. All right, pipe down. Think you're being funny, do you? Platform nine and three quarters. Fuck off. Anyway, before we get on to the pitches next, um, I maybe want to you know cause a little bit of shit stirring here on the off chance any of these show up in any pitches, much like how Dobby. Does some shit, sorry. Do any of you, and feel free to call them out, do any of you have a least favourite Harry Potter film that you absolutely just hate? Uh, yes, I do. I do. And I think I've I, I, I've had this, not, not an argument, I've had a discussion with uh, Adam and his girlfriend about it. I, I am not the biggest fan of the Chamber of Secrets. And I, I've said before that I think that's, it's probably the one I've seen the most and I think through seeing it the most in TV, I I I, I don't know if maybe I've just like caught, I've not caught like a, like sometimes at ITV to show up the films like kind of weekly or like a time. But I think there's just times I maybe didn't take notice that happened or I was working, but it always seemed to be about when Chambers of Secrets was on. So whenever I kind of see that now, I I I, I still watch if it was on, but I'm just I'm not as enthusiastic about it. So I think with it just maybe being the most that's had the most exposure to me, I think that's that's why I like that the least. How fucking dare you, Jack? Chamber of Secrets, <laughs> God Amongst Men, Highway, fucking robbery. You're telling me that that film, in my opinion, the best Harry Potter film, is not great. It's the funniest. You know, Follow the Butterflies, that is that is an Oscar-worthy line right there. It's got Kenneth Branagh being the best Gildroy Lockhart anyone could have ever asked for. And, you know, my wand! Look at my wand! Jack, nah. I will say Gold Heart is the best thing about about that movie. The way that the actor playing him is absolutely absolutely fantastic. You get some quality lines in there as well. You know, uh, Aragorn is all like goodbye, friend Hagrid. That's a fantastic line itself. But as I've said, it's probably the one I've seen the most, and I think it's the one I get most scunnered with. But that's just because I've seen it so much. And I, I don't know. I feel that there's better, there's better stories in the other films than a, a giant basilisk going through the pipes to petrify people. Wow, 
Uh, yeah, my least favourite is definitely Half Blood Prince, and it's nothing to do with uh, someone's choice of that film. Um, <laughs> no, maybe maybe the first one uh, is something that I find it quite difficult to to take seriously. I think I've said that doesn't really age as well as the other ones. The use of CGI is quite poor, and I think sometimes there's certain scenes that just make me bust out laughing, and it kind of makes it breaks the the atmosphere a bit, but uh, I, I don't hate it. I, I would watch it if I was watching the Harry Potter films. Yeah, I wouldn't skip it out or anything, but uh, it's probably the one that has the least kind of um, Harry Potter atmosphere for me because of the poor CGI. If I had to pick one, I'm in agreeing with Jack. I would say the Chamber of Secrets. It's the most fatiguing for me to watch if I have to watch any of them. Uh, it, I personally just find it the weakest and Per my research, statistically speaking, it is the weakest of all the all the films. So I just thought, oh, throw that there in we go. Meta score, IMDb. This podcast is how <laughs> Dobby. You know. Yeah, Dobby dies, Stuart. Next question. Yeah, but not in this one. He dies in the shit one. Anyway, enough of this Tom Fillory. This, you know, this absolute. Magic bullshit, you know. Let's go on to the pitches. So, with that, let's find out which Harry Potter film is the best of all time. And Adam, you're up. What is the best Harry Potter film? Well, funny you should ask me that, Stuart. I actually... <laughs> I'm glad I went first in a way. Uh, although not after, not following the scathing criticism. <laughs> in fact, for my choice... <laughs> which is Harry Potter the Chamber of Secrets would you believe <laughs> well you're not fucking winning at all that's it Adam wins podcast over follow us on the Twitter but you know you think oh no it's destroyed my pitch it's not you know you take a lot of time to think about this and do you know what I agree I actually watched uh, Chamber of Secrets the most as well because I had it on DVD when I was younger I used to watch it all the time it was the only one I had so I watched it a lot. And unlike Jack, I didn't get sick of it. What I think it has given me is a real appreciation of the individual elements of the film, which I think are, are very important. Because a lot of the Harry Potter films, they share the same kind of key elements. They all have the same overarching villain. There's always a new defence against the dark arts teacher. And normally we are introduced to a couple of new creatures slash monsters. Now I'm going to talk about why each of these elements, as they exist in Chamber of Secrets... And I'm going to talk about why that makes them, why they are the best in the series. First of all, I mentioned the same overarching villain. We've talked about him. It's Voldemort. But what sets Chamber of Secrets apart is the way they use Voldemort. Instead of him taking physical form and acting as a threat directly, he influences events throughout, uh, through his diary from his time at school, which is a horcrux containing a piece of his soul. Spoiler, we learned that in book six. Uh, this is the only Harry Potter film that shows Voldemort's deadly intelligence and skills of manipulation. He orchestrates the whole plot of the film, making the school suspect Hagrid as he did when he was a youth, all without physically being present. Unlike the other films we're only f- we're in which we're only fearful of Voldemort's power, what can he do to us? He can- wow, he can kill you, he can make a snake eat you. That Wow, that's pretty scary. But what about a guy who doesn't even need a wand? He doesn't even need to be physically in the castle to literally they like bring the whole place down and bring himself back to power. The next element I mentioned is the new Defence Against Starcats teacher. We've already, Jack, you know, <laughs> and Stuart, they've made my point for me here. It's Gilderoy Lockhart. He's played by Kenneth Branagh. He brings some of the best comic relief in the whole series. Absolutely. For one character, is there anyone that makes us laugh as much in the short time he has on screen? It's false bravado, it's pompousness, it's pride. He's introduced perhaps the first wizarding celebrity we meet in the series, and we see how the students react to being taught by a star. Of course, we see throughout the film he's a charlatan. He's stolen all his achievements and taking credit for them when they've been done by other wizards. He gets his comeuppance. Again, a very funny scene. It feels very satisfying. It's a very good character arc, very well written. And then lastly, I want to talk about the new creatures they introduced in this film. And I think this is something that really sets it apart because they're probably the most terrifying in the whole franchise. First of all, we're going to talk about the Acromantula. Huge spiders. They terrified the audience when they took screen. You know, it doesn't matter. Young, old, middle-aged, you were scared of these spiders. 
they're they're terrified. It's not just their size, but the, the, the sheer volume of them, the amount we see on screen, and it's not even the ones we see. It's a suggestion of of the even more of them. Harry and Ron, we remember, they're required to go right into the nest of the spiders and converse with Aragog, their leader. And I tell you what, that scene is probably the most tense in the whole series. You're sitting, you're waiting, you see the spiders gathering around. Ron sees the spiders. Harry's concentrating. I don't know how he doesn't notice, but Ron sees them surrounding them. Harry's too busy. He's caught up in the conversation with Aragog, learning some key plot points. And as we know, as Jack, he again, he quoted it. Jack, for someone who really doesn't like his film, he's he's really praised that a lot. And Aragog gives his famous line, Goodbye, friends of Hagrid. And then he sets the spiders upon them. I'm going to wrap up quickly by talking about the other creature in the film, the monster that lives within the Chamber of Secrets, the Basilisk. You know, we talk about it as a, a giant snake. I think that's a simplification. He's a, a huge, indeed, snake-like monster. It kills with, It literally kills its victims with direct eye contact. It petrifies with an indirect glance, as we see throughout the film. It also has venom deadly enough to destroy a Horcruxes, which are notoriously difficult to destroy. In fact, it basically takes up half the plot of a book and indeed a whole film, uh, trying to work out how best to destroy a Horcrux. If the Basilisk possessed just one of these characteristics, it would be the deadliest creature in Harry Potter universe. With both, it sits on its own. There's nothing that comes near it. Throughout the film, it petrifies a host of students, including Hermione and one cat. You've killed my cat! I'll kill ya! Without the intervention of Fox the Phoenix and the emergence of the Sword of Gryffindor from the Sorting Hat, Harry would have had absolutely zero chance against such a powerful opponent. Truthfully, we never see a creature in Harry Potter cast such fear into the hearts of powerful wizards and witches such as Dumbledore and McGonagall. To conclude, I think the combination of the, these elements, the use of Voldemort, the presence of Lockhart, the terrifying nature of the two creatures makes Chamber of Secrets stand alone as the best Harry Potter. I think it feels really unique especially when you consider these elements, compare them to other films. And I think for that reason, it's it's definitely on top for me. And also the fact that it makes great use of practical effects and it's aged very well. I, as you said, I praised it a lot. Like the, 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 the two praises you're able to pick myself up on are the only two praises I gave the movie. So I don't, I don't, I don't think that's really a lot. And I would... I, I I do say it's, it's, it's a very it's a very good pitch to defend that as as the best. Uh, I don't think that that scene with the spiders is the most tense in the full series. I, I would say that there's I'd, I'd say arguably the goblet of fire after the maze when they end up in the, the graveyard and it's Voldemort being formed back into a, a like a human like thing again. I I would say that's more tense knowing that like. Oh, 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 shit! Like it's it's actually happening. I, I, as a good pitch, though, obviously it's, it's a it's a shame. Obviously, that I've got a different opinion to movie than you, but I do recognise the, the 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 strength of your pitch. So I will I will say well done. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Jack. Yeah, you know, I think it's fair enough when I'm talking about the most tense scene. I think it's always difficult to pick one that stands above the others. You know, I'm happy to just count it as one of the best scenes. And I think it is one you remember when you think of a time, especially watching the film for the first time, when you felt particularly tense or scared. But I appreciate your, I appreciate you rising above your personal opinion to give me praise for that pitch. Thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs> much like how Fox rises from the ashes to be reborn again. Uh, Lewis, is there anything you'd like to add? Not really. I mean, just like Jack said, personal opinion aside, there's definitely, as a standalone pitch, it's pretty strong. Unfortunately, it doesn't really change my personal opinion on the the, the film, but Adam's obviously done a pretty good job of presenting his particular reasoning. It's just his reasoning is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Lewis. Thank you. You're welcome. Dear, oh dear. Well, Lewis has, Lewis has uh, attacked Adam's reasoning. Let's see what Lewis's reasoning is when he tells us what he thinks is the best Harry Potter film. Right, so my pitch is not going to be as in-depth as Adam's because, as I said, I'm not the biggest fan of this particular series. So I've narrowed it down to six points, and here is why I believe, and many others, that The Prisoner of Azkaban is the best of the series. It immediately follows the first two, so this is maybe kind of a the lowest point, but it really elevates the franchise in the Harry Potter world and is a big step up. 
from the first two films. And the way the director, I'm probably going to butcher his surname here, Alfonso Cuaron, I don't know if that's right, really handled the fantasy elements and the acting and, and presented it in a way more mature way, maybe more grounded, a bit more gritty, which, you know, hey, Lewis is a fan of shock horror. <clears throat> and particularly, the movie deals with a, a very difficult trope that many fall short on, and that is the, the time loop sort of time travel element. And it handles it in such a way you kind of want to go back and like double check to see, like, did this actually happen? Am I just hallucinating? And because of the change of presentation that Alfonso presents, I feel like each subsequent movie after that draws upon that sort of presentation and really shapes how the movies go forward from then on. And finally, Gary Oldman. That is all. Almost seems unfair to bring Gary Oldman into your argument, but he is in the film. <laughs> Adam, what did you think of Lewis's pitch? Uh, yeah, I liked I liked the way he made the point about linking with the the tone of the later ones. Although I would say, as someone who's read the books, the tone of the books does get significantly darker in the third one. So I think, don't think we can give Alfonso too much credit. Um, although he did portray it very well uh, for a change of tone, I think that happened quite naturally in the books anyway. But no, I, I enjoyed that. A good pitch. Don't think I have any major criticisms, but then, you know, it, there wasn't a lot there, but I think it was all solid. The Jack, best what about uh, yeah, it's just just much the same as what I'm saying. As like you know, having having read the books, like we we both know that that, that that's where the tone starts to get darker because obviously you're, you're growing up with like the like Harry, Hermione, and Ron as the movies and the books go on, and also when you're getting older, things are going to be darker. It's not all magic and all that. Sunshine and rainbows. I was, I was trying to think of some like kind of quick magical reference off the top of my head, but I don't have any, so I'm just going to say magic. But uh, just that that kind of sense, like you, you kind of know that it's going to get darker at some point, and I think Brezhnev Azkaban is the start of that. Uh, yes, G- Gary Oldman is is fantastic. He's a brilliant, just a uh, serious black. I one one thing that I would say I don't like about Prisoner of Azkaban is the the quick change of serious black. The criminal to Sirius Black, the the Godfather of Harry Potter. I feel that it covers the book covers that a lot more better than what the movie does. I feel that that change just happens too quick. But aside from that, I enjoyed your pitch. Well, and finally, last but not least, it's Mister Hogwarts himself, Jack. Take it away with your pitch. My pitch of why I think the best film is in the Harry Potter series is also what Adam thinks is the best film in the Harry Potter series. I don't know if you can really be voting for a film that Adam doesn't truly believe is the best film in the series, as, as I got my submission in first. I am stating that uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince is the best film in the series. And this, this film, I would say, is the most scaled back in the sense of wh- how we're seeing kind of Hogwarts and the kind of Wizarding world, so so to speak, as this dark impending doom and gloom is kind of taking over their lives as we're seeing it. But and amongst all that, it's the kind of teenage love drama you see during school as well. Obviously, Ron gets a girlfriend. You see Hermione visibly upset by it. You see Harry being upset with Ginny having a boyfriend as well. The slug club and whatnot. He's, they're they're both pretty angsty. They're kind of deal, having to deal with like in a normal teenage life, along with the impending threat of Voldemort coming to kill Harry essentially. And during during all this, Harry's needing to go and destroy Horcruxes with Dumbledore, and they go and they go and they do a thing. That's when they kind of realise that like, oh, well, we've destroyed the book, we've destroyed the the stone, and blah 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 blah. So they go to destroy this kind of locket thing and this is one of the best scenes I think in the entire series the way that Harry's having to force feed Dumbledore to drink this water that makes you like can't endure like the, the pain that the water's giving you and then you see the big fire when all the kind of people are dragging Harry it's a, it's a brilliant scene but I think one of the kind of the best things about it is that the half 
well, there's two best things about it, I would say. The best thing about Half-Blood Prince is that it gives that real, realisation that this this has to be the final year of Hogwarts for Harry and Ron and Hermione, especially with how it ends, but I'll get onto that in a second. They realise that in order for life to be normal for them again, they can't continue with school because if they stay in school, they're putting everyone else in danger. So they have to leave the school and they have to go and search these Horcruxes to take out that danger that would be imposed upon their friends and their family and whatnot. So they, 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 it kind of brings that finality, that finality of our our childhood is over type thing and it's kind of taken away early from them because they're having to deal with this. And the, the other reason why I really like this movie is the, the character development we see throughout, especially with Draco Malfoy. I, I was having this conversation with uh, someone before and you see that obviously he's, he's being groomed to be a Death Eater. And throughout, he's testing the vanishing cupboard, which he puts the apple in, you get the apple out, you put the bird in, you get a dead bird back, blah, blah, blah. All this kind of stuff is he's kind of getting with his, within the Death Eaters. And I think it's a role that he kind of, not that he wanted, but he was quite interested to begin with until I got to the the necklace that was uh, hexed, obviously meant for Dumbledore that was going to kill him straight away or was it going to petrify or paralyze him in some way but it ended up in the hands of a student instead and then from that point he kind of realizes that I, I, I can't do this knowing that he nearly killed someone innocent it was like I, I, I can't so we kind of see the kind of the, the turmoil that goes on with Draco Malfoy throughout the season kind of realizing that he wants to be better but because of his family because of the situation he can't and we see that he's having it especially the scene when he kind of runs to the, the toilets and he's kind of splashing the water in his face and Harry uses a spell on him and he nearly dies and but Harry has that kind of realisation and Snape comes in and helps and whatnot and we see the character development grow with Malfoy near the end. This is the this is the particular start of it. Even when we see at the end of the film when he couldn't kill Dumbledore because he knows that he can't because if he doesn't do it he'll die himself. So Snape takes the fall. I think the way that they're able to set this up as this kind of finality for everyone, at least the three of Harry, Ron and Hermione is that we need to deal with this danger. I think it's just done perfectly. I believe this is also the only film that doesn't have uh, a John Williams uh, score, like musicality throughout it as well. So it's kind of, I think Half-Blood Prince itself could be a good one to be just a standalone movie out of all of them. And and for all the reasons, I believe that is why Half-Blood Prince is the best Harry Potter movie. Very interesting. A very in-depth pitch there. Um, Lewis, what were your thoughts on Jack's pitch? You know, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to this podcast right now purely because of my opinion and subsequent lack of knowledge in relation to high bar and the subject. So, you know, Jack and Adam have clearly given a very well thought out pitch and I personally feel like Jack had a stronger pitch and definitely made a more of a convincing argument, especially as you kind of said close to the end there, like as a standalone movie, it holds its own, which I think is one thing that when you're looking at a series, it really emphasizes that as being a stronger one. I mean, you see the same with the, the Marvel Full Moon Cinema Collection. Like, for me personally, Civil War stands above them all, and that's why it's pretty much at the top of mine. And, you know, Jack, it's the same point there. It stands alone, and as a result, it's at the top for a reason. Uh, Adam, anything uh, you have to say before we get on to the important voting? Uh, no, uh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the pitch. It's funny, Jack and I were discussing... Um, our pitches today you know we didn't go into detail you know we don't have to give away our secrets um but I, we definitely i like the fact we came at it from different angles um i think it shows that we're both big fans and we can like we can kind of appreciate the different elements of harry potter and what goes into a harry potter film um overall it was good not enough quotes uh from the film for me that was probably my biggest disappointment <laughs> uh, in the in the pitch, I included, in fact, three quotes. Um, but you know, don't don't let that influence your vote, guys. Uh, guy, farewell, Aragog, <laughs> king of the <laughs> There you go. He delivered. He yeah, delivered. Eventually, eventually, you know, with our request. But uh, no, overall, it was a strong pitch. Um, and uh, you know, I'm pleased that we're just we're all Harry Potter experts. And I think that's just apart from Lewis. And I just think that's nice to see. 
much like how Umbridge is an expert on being a massive bitch. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's all our pitches uh, that have hopefully been listened to. And if our panellists could just send me their votes on who they think gave the best pitch. We have Adam's pitch with the Chamber of Secrets. We have Lewis's pitch with the Prisoner of Azkaban. And Jack's pitch with the Half-Blood Prince. So while we're waiting on that, I'd just like to remind everyone listening to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at underscore the big picture, where you can send us ideas and vote in our polls, just like our Twitter poll asking you, the fans, would rate the Harry Potter franchise. 19% of you said it was good, 38% of you said that you loved it, and the majority of you said it was just okay, with 43% of the vote. Dear, dear, Jack, not good numbers there. Uh, many of you also told us on Instagram what your favourite Harry Potter movies were. We have Blair Henderson and Lucy Connolly. They said The Half-Blood Prince is their favourite, with Lucy saying, definitely not Chamber of Secrets. So that's an interesting conversation <laughs> yeah. Adam will have to have. <laughs> Megan McCulloch and Megan Honnold said Prisoner of Azkaban. So, you know, that's just a Megan movie, clearly. Uh, Colin mm. Moore had The Order of the Phoenix and friend of the show, Ryan Dalgleish, had The Chamber of Secrets. So you can vote on our polls as well as keeping up to date on what episodes we have coming up next. The next one, I believe, is the DreamWorks crossover event spectacular, which will be hosted by our very own Adam. Adam, is there anything you want to say uh, about this episode? Yeah, uh, it's all holds bad. Uh, there's no holds bad. <laughs> all holds bad. <laughs> <laughs> all holds bad. Very limited. No holds bad. All the DreamWorks films. No one said DreamWorks animations. Go mental. That's what I say. And you're in for a, a fucking roller coaster. I think this is going to be partic- probably the biggest shit show episode we've ever done because it's, it's going to be absolutely taking the piss. Yep. <laughs> the the Disney one have... was well thought of, but this one is just so... going to be fucking Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> so tune in for that, guys. Well, thankfully, guys, Adam is hosting this one, so you will not have a lengthy pitch the the same extent of Adam's Pixar. And we did not plan that one. Any crossovers, Adam just doesn't get. (laughs) So uh, with that, the votes are in. Let me just uh, let me just tally them up. And yes, it looks like there is a clear winner. You know, unless. Hang on a minute. What's that? My God, it's an owl flying straight from my window. It's carrying a letter. Let me just open the window and take that letter out of its mouth it's from reese guys reese has written in all the way from azkaban uh he clearly has some views on it which harry potter film is the best let me just open this up rangers does not deserve the cup okay then uh right okay the, coming in last place uh lewis Sadly, has zero votes. Lewis, commiserations. I thought it was a really good pitch, especially for someone who's not a big uh, Harry Potter fan. But sadly, no one voted for you. Coming in second place is Adam with one vote. Who voted for him? I'll never tell. It was Jack. Um, And the clear winner with Jack, two votes. Mr. Harry Potter himself winning his favourite episodes. Jack, congratulations. How do you feel? Eh... Happy, happy that I'll be able to win a, a, an episode about a, a movie series that I, I love so much. I'm glad that uh, the the passion that I've been able to exhibit throughout has been rewarded. So I'm very happy, very happy. Congratulations to all. Bang. It was a very good discussion, even from Adam, who loves it as much as he can. Uh, uh, Lewis is also not, not, not the biggest fan of it, but being able to like contribute to like a, a, a lengthy amount of like, a good knowledgeable yeah, amount. Yeah, barely. I, I, I enjoyed your contribution, Lewis. I, I thought I provided a different insight to what me and Adam could provide. So it's not, no, I, I enjoyed it. So why did you vote for him? Uh, just, 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 just because it wasn't as good as Adam's, unfortunately. Just, just, just because you know, poor stuttering Professor Quinnell <laughs> over there just voting for you know, just lying. <laughs> anyway, well, you can't take back your votes now. I'm the one. That's it. Set stone. <laughs> um, commiserations, uh, Adam. It was a very good pitch. Thank you. Thanks, Drew. I know that uh, perhaps had we had uh, had Reese not been sentenced to prison, then maybe we would have had a different result there. That is true. But we all we can all agree he he deserves he's where he needs to be, especially after Absolutely. that that Absolutely. terrible that terrible slander he just sent me via owl. 
you know, it was completely, completely real. Uh, Lewis, again, commiserations. I thought you gave a, you put up a good fight, but clearly Harry Potter just ain't your thing. Nah, it just doesn't float my boat, unfortunately. And with that... Or my that, car, I guess. That's it, you know. And you know what? 100 points to Gryffindor. <laughs> they, are the, they are the winner of uh, the, the, the House Cup for doing fuck all as per usual. I'm doing a little Dumbledore clap uh, because I hurt my, like, serious, seriously hurt my hands clapping for the Chamber of Secrets. That was actually really sore. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening to this, our special Harry Potter episode. Tune in next time and hopefully we'll see you there. <laughs>